Tangled Love Musical. That's right. If you're in the Bay Area, come see a brand new musical all about blood. That's right. We're writing a show about periods. You got your bleeding ballads, cramping corals, and vaginal verses. And we're doing it right here in San Francisco and Oakland in collaboration with Killing My Lobster. All parody songs are written by us. And I'm going to be singing. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Plus amazing actors, Alyssa Sanchez and Gabby Moma. You can catch Vicious Cycle, the musical, live on stage the last three Thursdays in May and one Saturday, May 18th. Go to our website, ViciousCyclePodcast.com to get dates, locations, and tickets. tickets. <laughs> I will not be singing. listeners welcome to vicious cycle the podcast about periods and the people who get them i'm one of your hosts meg trowbridge i'm meg hayes i'm kate elston all right i i mean i don't want to oversell this episode but we have like one of our highest profile guests yet i would say so yeah oscar winning oscar winner uh maybe you caught on a couple months ago that uh the winner of short film was period end of sentence a film about periods won an oscar pretty big deal and we have one of the executive producers on the episode today sophie ashaim yeah we had so much fun talking with her we did she was super great um yeah and if anyone hasn't seen the movie it's a documentary hit pause on this podcast go watch it 24 minutes or something on netflix if you don't have netflix get netflix who are you (laughs) are do you even survive do you have friends are you okay (laughs) um for those who haven't seen it or need a refresher it follows a group of local women in a rural town outside of delhi called hapur i believe is the name of it and basically these women are learning how to operate and use a machine that makes pads that they can then sell in their community in their community just like a lot of rural communities in India and around the world are there's a crazy taboo about menstruation and I think the film does a really good job of like interviewing local men and boys about like what they think periods are and no one really knows and the girls are all embarrassed and it's just very hush hush so yeah it won an Oscar and I would say watching it um you know there are taboos in the United States as well and I I definitely recognize moments like from my upbringing in the film so I think it brings up like this universal issue of a taboo that you can find any pretty much anywhere in the world for sure totally and as you'll hear when we talked to Sophie she was one of the executive producers um, on the film she and her classmates at Oakwood School in LA which is a high school a bunch of high schoolers made this they um, got together under the leadership of their English teacher Melissa Burton she was on stage receiving the Oscar Um, they got together because they started an organization called the pad project and the pad project helps install these machines in rural communities. And so as a part of this project, they hired, they brought in the director, Reka Zatabshi, who had previously made a bunch of films before. And so Reka was also on stage receiving the Oscar. And yeah. I believe Reka is the first Persian American to ever win an Oscar. Wow. Is that true? I believe so. That's awesome. Yeah. We're just going to shout out this specific moment from their Oscar acceptance speech, talking about why they cried that week. <laughs> because I'm on my period or anything. I can't. 
won an Oscar. So good. <laughs> they, that is why they cried and why I cried. So good. <laughs> yeah, let's just get into this interview. We talked to Sophie over Zencaster, which is this new program we're using that's not Skype. Everyone who's podcasting should get it. This is not an ad, but you should. But I can't e- believe how easy it is to use. <laughs> Zencaster, give us money. Yeah. <laughs> and here's that interview. Listeners, we are so excited to be joined by one of the executive producers of the film, period, end of sentence, um, heard of it, it won an Oscar. Pretty big deal. She was also co-founder of The Pad Project, and she's currently a freshman at Heard of It, Yale. <laughs> Sophie Ashime, everyone. Yay! Hello. I'm so glad to be here. You are, I think, the first Oscar-winning filmmaker <laughs> I've ever talked to. Yeah. Me too. Well, that's exciting. Sophie, thank you so much for joining Vicious Cycle. First question we ask all of our guests, what was the first day of your last period? Oh, um, <laughs> it was, oh, it was right as I was finishing school, like right before spring break started. So two weeks ago, Friday. Oh, Dang. so you got your period right at spring break? Yeah, I don't know. I, I was finishing Classic. my birth control pack and it just, you know. Like clockwork. (laughs) Yeah. Hate that. Um, Okay, so we'll get to the film. But while we have you and while we're excited to get into your film, we do want to start by talking about the Oscars. What was it like to be there? Um, Very overwhelming. (laughs) Uh I think that to go as just like someone, not as someone who has a documentary nominated would have been like the coolest thing ever and I would have probably remembered every detail as it was I vaguely remember anything after they announced um the doc (laughs) (laughs) um I just remember I mean just the experience of like getting ready and going was really cool and I was able to go with a bunch of my friends and I took my dad as my date which was really fun Um, yeah and so that was I mean really really cool um and also just like we were like on the back half of the red carpet. It's like weird. So it's like, I feel like for a lot of other award shows, they have like the celebrities out front and then everyone else just walks in through the back and you don't really see them. But I think for the Oscars, it's a little different that like you can kind of see them in the background. Like they don't have them separated. There's like having behind like a rope line like going in. And so just even just like like walking like the back of the red carpet was ridiculous because like you just see everyone who normally you watch on TV like giving all these interviews and it was wild. Wow. <laughs> who was like the craziest in-person encounter you saw um well without really realizing it i turned around and was standing really close to marie Kondo for like a long time (laughs) Um, and her husband and i was like oh my god (laughs) so marie Kondo is at the oscars that's what i thought i was like oh my god that's so cool she did have a big year um talk about the moment when your film won what was that like you were sitting there john mulaney and aquafina were the presenters right First of all, I love John Mulaney more than anything. And I leaned over to my dad when they first came out. And I was like, oh, my. Because I knew that Arch was kind of coming up. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what if he announces? And then he did. And I was like, oh, my God. First of all, I just immediately started crying. (laughs) Like, throughout this entire process, I think that we were so shocked that the film kept getting recognized and kept, like, being accepted into film festivals, let alone, like, winning jury awards. Because I think that though we were so incredibly proud of the film and still are, I think it was always something that was supposed to be, like, an educational piece that we would hopefully put somewhere where people would see it and kind of learn more about the issue. It wasn't really supposed to be like, I don't know, <laughs> an Oscar winning documentary. So I think that 
through this entire process, like when we got shortlisted, when we got nominated, I kept expecting to kind of cry and freak out. I think I was just so like, like not confused because I know exactly, like I love this doc more than anything. And I think it's the best thing ever made. But um, I think that I was just like, it was very much out of body. And I think it it had finally sunk in by like the night of the awards um, that I just kind of like let it all out immediately. (laughs) So we have a, a saying on the, on the podcast where if we're bleeding and recording, we call it blacording. Um, is anybody blacording right now, by I'm the way? Not. I am blacording. Okay, congrats. Oh, Meg, thank Meg you. is blacording. Thank, thank you very much. But I'm wondering, Sophie, if anyone at the Oscars was blaceiving? Uh, blaceiving an award. <laughs> I think that one of us was. I can't remember who. I vaguely remember that someone was, and we were laughing about it a lot. Oh, that's amazing. I want a list of every award winner who's been on stage oh receiving an award meeting. Yeah. I would also like that list. (laughs) It's probably sadly like seven people because women have that often. Imagine wearing like a light colored dress and that stress, like being on that stage and worrying about like bleeding through. Like that's horrifying. It is horrifying. That's why like when someone's wearing a red dress, you're like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) we see you. Uh, I really want to see that BuzzFeed listicle these people were <laughs> yeah, bleeding well but like who would answer that question like were you bleeding when you accepted your Oscar I mean, yeah hopefully people, people. I mean after, because of you yeah because of this film maybe people are more open to talk about it I sure hope so oh yeah <laughs> um let's talk about the film um I understand that this film came about when you were in high school in LA and uh you started the pad project ahead of time is that right yeah so we launched the pad project um as like an idea on kickstarter in october of 2016 and um that was kind of like the culmination of the planning stage of okay we want to get this machine to this community katakira and we want to make some media visual component to go along with it probably a documentary we weren't really sure just to kind of like be able to talk about this and and like in a way that people understood um, when you see firsthand the fact that they just can't, they won't even talk about their periods, let alone like many of like the older women, like don't know what pads are. And it's just like, so such a foreign concept to them. I think that was kind of when it like struck us of like how like much this was really like hindering women's lives. And I think that like in a ways that people weren't, people weren't talking about. And so I think that that was kind of why we wanted to, um, make the documentary. How did you guys get that? title the doc title so a big reason not the only reason for sure but a big reason that girls were dropping out of school at a young age in developing communities was because they didn't have access to like easy to use menstrual products and so we're using rags and didn't have the necessary sanitation facilities and so would stay home during their periods fall behind each month and eventually just drop out of school um and while there's a host of different cultural reasons that also happens um that was a huge factor and something leading into that was the fact that like um, in specific communities, uh, a week's worth of pads for a girl is the same price as a week's worth of milk for the entire family. I guess it's considered a luxury that families just can't afford. Um, and so we kind of came into this from the educational background because we were, first of all, in school, but also part of a club called Girls International, which was focused on ending the gender gap in education um, around the world. And so our tagline was, a period should, should end a sentence, not a girl's education. 
Um, and that was kind of our mission in the beginning. And it's definitely evolved from there. But I think that was something we always wanted to keep in the back of our heads of like where this started and the impact it's having like on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so period end of sentence was born from there. Beautiful. Nice. Amazing. Um, Kate's mom and my mom texted us, <laughs> of course, be, um, on the night of the Oscars. And they, I who knows what the title, my, what my they mom said. called it the film a period should end a sentence and my uh, mom called it period end a story <laughs> <laughs> no we get a lot of people saying different things they have the right idea and that's what we're going with yeah yeah right they have the right idea it's the india doc exactly yep, yeah that yes it's that one that too <laughs> So I'm wondering, like, how did you guys, was this something like that was a subject in school that you learned about? Or how did you kind of get connected to this under this kind of need that was there? Yeah. So I got involved because Melissa Burton, um, one of our producers, was my English teacher. Um, and, um, and she and her daughter, Helen, had been delegates to the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women about eight years ago. And through um, Girls International, uh, a club that we were all a part of. And um, it was there that they first learned about the issue because it was kind of the first time it was being talked about. Like even watching just at the CSW, the change that has occurred over the last eight years and how people are willing to talk about periods is really interesting because when we went last year and actually showed the documentary at the commission, like in all the other, in like many of the other female empowerment, um, especially like entrepreneurial um, and economic empowerment events we went to, a lot of women, particularly from Africa, but also East Asia, were talking about periods and the fact that the top of access was a huge issue. Wow. Um, so that was really, really cool. Really but, cool. So they first heard about the issue in the machine um, at the CSW eight years ago and kind of had the idea, okay, well, we do have this community we're working really closely with in India. Like, I wonder I'm, if this is really an issue. Like, I, we would love to, you know, like work with them on something. And it kind of just like spun out from there. So you had been aware of this community before you started the PAD project? Yeah. So there's Action India, which is our partner organization, um, ran a school nearby Katsukira that was our partner school. And so we would Skype with them every so often. Um, and that was kind of our connection to the women in the beginning was through that connection. And I think we kind of like originally brought the subject, like, cause we talked about a lot. We like read books with them. Um, we like did book clubs and um, talked about a lot of different stuff, but periods never really come up. And so I think we broached the subject one day um, and it was just very clear there wasn't something they want to talk about. Um, and I think that was kind of our first taste of, okay, well, the taboo is going to be a lot trickier to deal with than we thought. Yeah. So that explains why they had so much trust then, I assume, with you guys when you were filming. Yeah, I think a lot of that had to do with the presence of Action India because these are communities Action India has been working with for a very long time and has repeatedly proven to be um, an incredibly powerful and like effective organization. So I think that was kind of a really, really lucky bridge for us. Like we couldn't have done it without them. Can you explain what a pad machine actually is? Because I first thought it was like a dispenser. Yeah. So it's not a dispenser. It manufactures the pads um, and it uses locally sourced biodegradable materials. And um, there's kind of a like fluffer component to the materials are spun into these giant bales, which look like hay, like hay bales, um, but are this like white compressed material, um, which is like plant fibers. And there's this fluffer machine, which you can see in the documentary and it kind of fluffs up and re like juvenates the um, plant. And 
then it is compressed into vaguely pad shaped things and um, they use like a hydrocolic press I think um, to press it down a couple of times and then it is wrapped in um, just like a more refined material um, and then sealed and the adhesive is painted on and it is all set to go. It's so soothing to watch that process in yeah. the film. Yes. I love like repetitive videos, like <laughs> soothing. I was like, I could watch this all day. <laughs> Logistically, how did this film get made? So you decide to do a documentary. Um, you get this filmmaker to to do it with you. What like how what was that process like? Fundraising and all that stuff. So fundraising was um, very much on the student end. We launched a Kickstarter. Um, which to be fair, wouldn't ever have been as successful without Rika. She kind of came in right before we launched the Kickstarter and reshot our video, which thank God she did because it was <laughs> not that good before. Um, and just like did a really honest interview with us. I mean, the story of my first period is now well all over the internet. Um, and it's the first five seconds of that video. The first time I got my period, I was actually at karate class. We were training for the LA Marathon. I was super confused what was going on. It sucked. <laughs> this girl threw a tampon across the room in front of my male teacher. I didn't know if I should ask anyone else like if they had a pad or anything. Yeah, my sister gave me some tampons and it was all fun. A lot of support came from the Oakwood community, which we are very, very grateful for. And we kind of sent out emails to every adult we knew. Um, in any realm and said, hi, we're working on this thing. Please, 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 please donate. Um, and people did, which was really incredible. And the Kickstarter community was also um, had a huge impact and like very much spread this around, which was really cool. So like, people we weren't connected to at all were donating as well. So you're doing all of this while going to school full time. Yes. And because <laughs> we're all overachievers in the group, <laughs> all doing other things too. Wow. Did you go to India? Um, some of the team did last March, and we are hoping to plan another trip for this August. Are you going to follow up with some of the same women who are in the documentary? Yeah, so we've been um, keeping like very close connections with them and with Action India. Um, and I think the trip is basically just to kind of like more do work in other parts of India, just to kind of figure out like where we go next, um, just logistically. Um, and so spend some time spend some time in Delhi and like work on the ground with Action India, but also like spend a bunch of time in the village. Yeah. yeah. What do they think about this film and the fact that it just won an Academy Award? So we were very nervous about what they would think of the film. I think that something that was very conscious for all of us throughout this entire thing is that we were a bunch of high schoolers, like working with a bunch of like grown, mostly grown women or young women. And like, who are we to kind of like have any authority here, especially because there is such a history of like, colonial implications and just a lot of cultural factors that we couldn't necessarily just like brush away just because we wanted to and just because we had the intent for this to be like a very much equal partnership like there was a lot we couldn't overlook with that so I think that we were very nervous especially for them to see the documentary um and when some of our team went last March they were able to screen the documentary and it was just really really positive reactions both from the women in the film but also just in a wider community which was <laughs> amazing because like as much as we wanted this to be a tool for more like quote unquote, developed communities and people who don't necessarily consider this to be an issue. We also wanted it to be a way to start these conversations in places where um, lack of access is a huge issue. Yeah, I 
I found it like really um, I really loved the part in the film where you kind of see the like negotiating and the delicate dance between men and women Mm -hmm. around this topic. Yeah. Like the women kind of being like, yeah, my like this male member of my family, he uh, like he does understand what's happening, but he is too embarrassed to talk about it. But then the men like were also really supportive, like in allowing this to happen. And they were really interested and intrigued. Um, So I really appreciated showing kind of how women navigate those situations. Yeah. And and how they know that kind of moving the ball forward takes like time and negotiating and patience with each other. I thought that was like and you did all of this in under 30 minutes it's incredible that was all Rika and sam her partner they did an incredible job question that i just thought of did that woman ever become a police officer (laughs) (laughs) get asked that a lot she's still in the process she passed her physical test and is now um, going through training again for the written test. I love the part in the film where she's like, I want to become a police officer because I don't want to get married. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. like, get it. <laughs> I think that's like such a smart thing to share in the documentary. It wasn't just about like the impact of this organization, but it was like the stories of the women and like who they lived with and what their living conditions were and what that village was like and making money. And, and then that's some, you know, the ambitions as it was really it like helped you connect with everyone yeah and i think it also just shows that how like mundane of an issue this is as well like this isn't just like this is everyone this isn't just the poorest of the poor the richest of the rich i also thought it was beautiful to see women organizing and using their power as a community of women to create a business in a way that they knew how like they knew that um, other women felt embarrassed to buy this from men, so they went in person to sell these products. And like, I feel embarrassed to buy tampons at the corner store, like yeah, from yeah. a man. I absolutely feel that. Yeah, and definitely the like business side of this. Like, once the machine was installed, they really took it and ran with it. And everything you see from the fly packaging to their timetable to everything like has been handled exclusively by them. Like. They all they want to do is just keep like moving their business forward and expanding, which I think has been really, really cool um, because I think that we all kind of hope that this will have wider implications for like other communities and like we want to see how far this can go. So talk about your teacher through all this, Melissa Burton. Melissa is one of the strongest women I've ever met. She it honestly manages to be like, incredibly nice but also so badass um and she jumped into this with both feet and was like okay well we're gonna do this none of us have any idea how to do any of it but we're gonna figure it out um and never really let any of us give up or get discouraged which was hard along the way because parts of this were very long whose idea was it to add the visual component to add the doc i think to the project so all of us kind of well I grew up in New York, but moved to LA for high school, but everyone else had kind of grown up in LA and a lot of people had parents who either worked directly in the entertainment industry or tangentially in the entertainment industry. And I think that we all kind of recognized the power of visual storytelling. Um, Just from the fact that like half the time in our English class, our teachers would also show us parts of the movie of the book rather than just having us read it. 
Um, and I think also like growing up in the age of social media, I think that we have kind of realized that well, visual media can be taken into our hands. Like this doesn't have to be some big Hollywood production. Like you can tell a story on your own to actually see the impact that this lack of access can have on the fact that girls will drop out of school at as young as nine or 10 when they first get their period is just incomprehensible to us, especially as we were sitting in our very privileged like private school in LA. Yeah, I was going to ask you how how your personal experience with periods um, influenced your work with menstrual equity campaigns and with the PAD project. Like, yeah, what was your first period like? Did you feel shame? Any crazy experiences that sort of like open your eyes to this? My period and I have had a very interesting relationship. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got my first period right before seventh grade. I was at karate class where all of my teachers were men. Um, oh. And my mom had been on me to go to class a week since the middle of summer. And I wanted to see my friends and I didn't want to go to class. And she was like, no, you have to go. And, like, and right. you were wearing white because it's a white. Luckily, I was old enough and had an advanced enough belt that we were black at this point. Nice. I honestly didn't even get to the point where I was in class. I was changing right before class. And I went to the bathroom and I looked down and I was like, oh, boy. Um, And I had been raised at an all-girls school. My mom is a doctor. I very much knew what I was looking at. And there wasn't kind of any fear there other than the fear of, oh, my God, I can't do class right now. My mom's going to get mad at me. (laughs) which of course she wasn't but I wasn't thinking so rationally but um I called my mom she didn't pick up I called my sister who's older and she said Sophie calm down go home you're fine and there was never really any shame associated with it for me but I think that a lot of that was because I had grown up in a very like female heavy environment I definitely noticed a difference at my all girls school um where like if I needed a tampon someone would throw on across the entire classroom to me even if our teacher was a 70 year old man whereas um and especially it was, it was just no if he's a 70 year old man yeah exactly I mean he was so oh love him um but and like there were just pads and tampons in every all of the bathrooms which middle schoolers and upper schoolers regularly used um and then what I got utopia. to my school. I know yeah. incredible yeah, they were just like stocked by the student government. It was like pretty nice quality. It wasn't wow. like the little gross ones. That's um, so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And it was just like in every bathroom. There wasn't a question about it. And then I got to my high school in LA, which was co-ed. And there wasn't, I didn't see the huge shock difference of like girls never speaking class. Like it was a very progressive, like very empowering environment, which like I benefited a ton from. But like I did notice the subtleties of girls won't really talk about their periods. Girls won't really walk with a tampon out in public and there wasn't really like none of the little machines in the bathroom the dispensers were ever stocked and you still had to like pay money for them um and so everyone just kind of had the supplies for themselves and we ended up like as a grade making a period locker we like found because like half of us didn't use our lockers so we just found an empty locker and all one day like went to cvs and got a crap ton of pads and tampons and chocolate and pretzels and oh, Advil. That's amazing meg hayes this is, is like crying cry. <laughs> this is so sweet yeah, and it was just there for everyone. And I think that like it was much a like snack cubby as it was actually like, moving <laughs> the pad. Um, but like it was really reassuring knowing that like, oh crap, I used my backup tampon last week. I can just go to the period locker. Um I, oh it's like a little free lending library that you yes. see in the road, but it's all period. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. You guys, when women take over the world and we now and like eventually we have all these things wherever there's 
toilet paper, we're going to look back and be like, we used to hide tampons in a hole in the wall. Back in my people, people would know to go there. Actually, maybe when women do rule the world, we'll just have libraries dedicated to tampons. Yeah. I would idea. love that. Although the checking the checking one back in part might not be great. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, it's just so it's just I'm I'm thinking free store. Okay, that's, what I'm um, that's what I'm saying. Um, wow. So it sounds so cool. like you guys had a feeling of like before the pad project even happened, there was like a culture at your school, um, in this community to kind of help each other out with your period. Yeah, definitely. Which was yeah really really great. I went to an all girls high school and yeah, I mean, that's, it's easy. Cause there's like a million people you can, you can ask literally anyone. Did literally. you have a period locker? We did not, but <laughs> I knew that I could go to like a Dean, like yeah. I could go to a teacher and they would yeah. have some. Yeah. But I did actually, oh my God. I, so I get really bad cramps and that's when something I've like had to struggle with a lot um, and figure out. But along the way, I was in a really bad mood one day because my uterus was ripping itself to shreds and I was in the middle of class and it was awful. And my friend had gummy bears and I turned to him and I was like, can I please have a gummy bear? And he was like, no, I just got them. And I was like, you don't understand. My uterus is currently ripping itself to shreds. I need a gummy bear. And he was so grossed out by that. <laughs> And I think that was honestly like my first ever like instance of like anyone really being weirded out by like me talking about my period. Yeah, that was that was funny. That's that's so incredible. That is such a good way to put cramps because the way I've always described it to my husband is it feels like my uterus has to poop. But <laughs> yeah, ripping to shreds, I think, is a little Sounds bit clearer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna get you that gummy bear. <laughs> <laughs> So talk about then how this, the film, how period end of sentence became like the reception just snowballed into becoming eventually an Oscar nominated documentary. Yeah. So that was very surprising to us. I think just because we had that documentary, it was finished and we kind of all said, okay, now what? Um, And on a whim, Rika had like when she was in school had submitted to student film festivals and stuff like that. And so she said, let's just start entering it in every film festival we can. Hopefully it gets people talking about it. Um, and that's really all we want. We want the publicity. So maybe we can get on a platform that would have some oomph behind it. So people take it seriously and like really pay attention. And we said, okay, great. <laughs> um, we didn't really know what any of that meant. We said, okay. Um, so we compiled a Google spreadsheet of all of the film festivals we could think of and many that we had never heard of, um, and just started submitting and a lot of it got accepted, which was really, I mean, a lot of them didn't accept it, but that's okay too. And I think no one was ever thinking down the line, like, Oscars or anything. I think we were just thinking like, okay, well, who can get to the next film festival? Like it was always just one foot in front of the other. Um, we just kept entering festivals, and as we started winning, we all went, "Whoa, what's happening?" Um, and it kind of just snowballed from there. I mean, the fact that we were winning both audience and jury awards was the coolest part because it meant that people were seeing how insanely beautiful and well done the film was, but also that people were having a response to it. Um, and like honestly, good or bad, even if people like started booing, at least they were reacting. You say people were booing? No, there was no booing. But oh. um, I mean that I know of. Okay. <laughs> what man in the back row? Ew. Gross. <laughs> it sounds it's like very um, encouraging to hear you say that. Like because, you know, the three of us started this project together and like. 
Yeah, you do just have to put one foot in front of the other. Like you're yeah. like this thing and then we're on to the next thing and you know you never know like what amazing place it can bring you to. Yeah, and the second you start looking farther than one foot in front of the other, it gets all too overwhelming and you have to look right back down and just keep going. Yeah. yeah. In working on this project, in, you know, dealing with periods a lot, have you found yourself being more open about it than you previously were? Because uh, the three of us... <laughs> Also, clearly, Oscar-nominated filmmakers. <laughs> um, but w- since starting this podcast, we—I don't know—I can't speak for the Megs, but I feel like I have become so much more open about, like, loudly and proudly talking about my period in places where I probably shouldn't, but I do anyway. <laughs> I think definitely there was something very freeing about. We showed the Kickstarter video um, at a school assembly, and I realized right after we introduced it that oh my god, my entire high school is about to see me talk about the first time I got my period. And I had a single moment of panic before the video started. And when people didn't immediately start laughing, it was really freeing. Um, Just because like that was a relatively chill story. I know so many people have had so many worse experiences. And there were people in my school who routinely could not afford these products. And so like this was their reality. Um, And so I think that there was something very freeing in the fact that like, as long as I said it confidently, no one was really going to laugh in my face. And if they were, they were not worth my time. So I actually had another question I wanted to ask you about the Oscars, too. What did you do afterwards? Um, I went to Netflix was having this after party. And the, some of the students who had um, not been able to go to the Oscars had been there watching. It was like a viewing party and then became an after party. So we went there. Um, and freaked out together for a while. Um, and then I went home and I slept for a very short amount of time. And then I had breakfast with my mom and she drove me to the airport and I went back to school. Oh my God. Did anyone recognize you? I know. I don't think you were. Did you go on stage? I did not. No, I was like sitting in a different part. Okay. But was there anyone who was like, Hey, she looks like she just won an Oscar. (laughs) More people being like, hey, like, who's that girl who looks really tired and we should stay away from her? Oh, my gosh. Also, can you talk a little bit about, I found the video somewhere of you guys getting nominated. Oh, my God, yeah. A bunch of the younger students and, like, parents all got together um, with Rika and Sam and had a viewing party at 5 a.m. And we all... um, we all were FaceTiming in to different phones in the watch party, but also had a group chat like ourselves going. So <laughs> like the entire time we were texting and also screaming into our phones and it was very overwhelming. And there was also a slight lag in the FaceTime versus like what was playing on my computer because we were all watching it too. Oh my um, God. And it was just a large mess. And I <laughs> live in a suite with nine other girls and I think I woke all of them up that morning. Um, because I was very much freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Wow. I know. I love that video. I have an LA question for you. Where um, in LA is Oakwood? Oakwood is in North Hollywood. It's like, Right when the 101 and the 134 split, the first exit's Magnolia. You just get off there. Get off of Magnolia. Great. Get off of it. I have no idea where that is. Um, That's the most LA way to describe where your high school is. I love it so much. Um, So what's next for you, Sophie? You're in Yale. You're in Yale. You're at Yale. (laughs) You're on Yale. You're You're around around it. it. (laughs) 
Um, what's next for you? I mean, what's next is just trying to finish the semester. I have a psych midterm mm-hmm. on Thursday. Um, and I, a lot of us are planning on having the pod project be our summer internships. And we're really looking forward to like digging in and structuring the nonprofit and seeing um, what we can do next. That's awesome. I'm so excited for your generation. Yeah, I know. I feel <laughs> really, so much better. Really, yeah. Me about too. The what do you have? A, do you have advice for other people who might be thinking about fighting for menstrual equity? Yeah, I think that really the first step is just talking in your community about these issues and figuring out like where you stand in terms of people in your community routine and whether that be like a religious community, school, family, neighborhood, or like wider city. Um, Strangers at a bar. Exactly. Like me. <laughs> exactly. But like whether or not people routinely have access or lack of access to these products and whether or not like homeless shelters, specifically women's shelters um, and like um, abuse shelters have products stack, uh, stack, stocked. That's the word. Honestly, just talking about it and like doing work in your own community is super, super, super important. And that is where we started. Like all of us in high school were working with women's shelters in LA and doing pad drives at school and like making ticket to events optional as long as you brought a box of pads um and I think that just like working with women who are incredibly passionate and want to do what you want to do I think is the coolest and best thing yeah let's ask our silly questions um first question uh and we know you're 18 19 Um, right 18 turning 19 next week Ooh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, we won't judge. We won't tell your parents. Just, <laughs> okay. Well, it, this will make sense after oh, Megan. I, yes, okay. I was like, where is she going? Where <laughs> right. right. In this, read this question. Your period could be any age. Okay, great. If your period could drink, what would it drink? <laughs> Ooh. All right. So my period is fairly aggressive. Um, so I feel like just like something to take the edge off. So honestly, like maybe a shot or like, this is going to sound cliche, but it's not because it's about a bloody, but a bloody Mary. Great. Love it. When you said that, and I was thinking about your age, not to like, you know, not all night, almost 19 year olds are crazy, like, you know, binge drinkers, (laughs) but you said it's aggressive. I was like, four loco. (laughs) (laughs) Vodka ripple. Hey, vodka red bulls are do the job. <laughs> um, next question: If your period had a Patronus, like in Harry Potter, what would it be? Oh, that's so hard. Um, we can give you some other ones we've heard. We've heard um, uh, a wounded seal. <laughs> we have heard a uh, mine's a cat because it jumps in your lap and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's fine. Okay, hi, <laughs> like whatever. You're it's it's there. I don't mind it, but like, okay. Um, what are your what are Planks was a fanny pack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but just a fanny pack. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be an animal. <laughs> fanny pack is good, but fanny pack implies you can take it off and be done with it. Mm. Great. So I wish. Um, okay. Maybe. What is very. Oh, maybe a whale because it's like super unexpected. But when it shows up, there's some oomph. <laughs> also, the Oh, my gosh. When whales show up, it's like. Oh. <laughs> exactly like that's the that's the reaction my period deserves great a great answer people pay to watch it (laughs) people get seasick to go catch a glimpse i love it oh and if your period um affiliated with any political party what would it be okay this one took some soul searching because like gut instinct it had to be democrat (laughs) but then i thought about it and i was like well wait Honestly, isn't it a libertarian because it doesn't want anyone messing with it. It doesn't want all these rules and regulations. It just wants to live its best life. 
Great. Okay. We always think. say like, uh, yeah, yeah, our period's on its own. It does its own exactly. thing. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with our in our own personal views. Exactly. Yeah. But there's no way in how my republic my periods are Republican. It just <laughs> no. <laughs> of course I I feel like we've we've never heard a a, a duplicate answer in the political really? question. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so congrats, Sophie. Oh, my yeah. God. You, ha- you have an Oscar under your belt. Wow. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Um, I guess just check us out at The Pad Project and the doc at period end of sentence to um, see where we go next. Thanks, Sophie. Thanks, have a great Sophie. one. Bye. Good luck with the rest of the semester. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> I mean, just she's so inspiring yeah and she's so sharp yeah i just love how like she's such a producer such like a well, yeah. one foot in front of the other like go you gotta do what you gotta do you know it's, like yeah so cool it's incredible that you would be able to just find tools around you in high school yeah. to be able to do even the pad project is is like so inspiring yeah and i love there's the women, the teacher and the director who just were like gathered this army of high schoolers to yeah. like do this awesome project. Uh, so cool. I feel um, really good about the future, guys. Me too. And can we talk about that period locker? You guys. Meg Hayes actually cried when upon hearing of that. I couldn't handle that. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared for that level of sisterhood. <laughs> and I, went, I went to an all-girls high school for four fucking years and that broke me yeah. <laughs> i mean we definitely didn't have one of those at my high school but, and we all could have used it yeah yeah oh. i it, it, it makes me i don't know why I, ca- I thought of those little lending libraries that you see like on street corners but it makes <laughs> yes. me think of those and i now i'm just imagining my dad has one outside of their house in seattle of like a little oh, lending library yeah. he built it it was really cute so i'm like i want to do that but just with pads and tampons yeah we yes. should <laughs> like we absolutely should. Yeah. Also, it could be marketing. It'll be like this brought to you <laughs> by Recycle yes. Podcast. Meg Hayes, always thinking about marketing and sponsors and everything. Zencaster brought yeah. to you by Zencaster and, and Vicious. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, any hoodle. Um, let's do a read my labias. Okay. It's been a while. Let's do it. Read my labias. Read my labias. Read my labias. Read my labias. I'll go. Listen. um, (laughs) I just want to bring up that over the last couple of days, Kate's been texting us so much like, guys, we really need to do a read my labias. Like we really, the next time we're together, read my labias. And at one point you used all caps. (laughs) I was like, Kate, are you okay? Are you all right? Here's, (laughs) here's why. Because I ride my bicycle every single day in the city of San Francisco. It is all I know. It is how I get around. It is how I stay healthy and (laughs) fit and save money. Mm -hmm. The number of times I have had close calls on my bike has only increased with the influx of ride shares mm. and just so many people. And I, like, I don't want to like bash drivers. I know people get really defensive when there's like a biker and a driver, like on next door. Anytime there's a conversation about cyclists and cars, it's like a 300 oh comment thread, which I have made the mistake of dipping into and then oh just getting no. and ripped a new asshole for ha- daring to be on a bike. Like uh, anyway, so my point is just, Read my labias. Drivers out there, and I'm not saying all, hashtag not all drivers, okay, so don't get all fucking defensive like you're a white dude. 
you have so much privilege. I don't know if that's the right word, power, but like power, like yeah, actual tons on of power. the road. When 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 drivers get angry, it's because they're being minorly inconvenienced for three seconds that they can't make that right turn that they want to at that moment. Mm-hmm. When I'm scared on the road it's because you almost ran me over or you didn't see me when you merged into my bike lane or you didn't put on your signal and like oh I almost die like it is it is life or death versus minor inconvenience that you had to hit your brake and then speed up past me angrily just to wait at a red light (laughs) like yeah go just like so I just want everyone no it's bullshit and it's so it's just so bad and I'm like it's People flip me off. People like pass me on like into incoming traffic and then cut me off. But again, like I said, to only wait at a red light because the the roads I ride are timed for bicycle traffic. So they're timed. You hit all the green lights if you're riding a bike. So if you're on a car, take another road. (laughs) Like don't speed up past me and then just wait and I pass you. (laughs) Right. It's so anyway, I'm reading my labias about it. I'm so mad. As someone who's a cyclist and driver, you have every right to feel that way yeah, about cars. Yeah. I'm sorry. And this in whole- San Francisco, you as a driver, you just need to accept that you need to look in your right me- side mirror mm-hmm. every single time that you turn yeah. or even move into another lane. And I can hear people. I can hear you uh, all, listeners, going like, mm, but what about the bikers that... And uh, again, we're not a coalition. We don't get together and go, hey, um, starting on Tuesday, do you guys want to like blow through all the stop signs? Like, Let's just <laughs> do that. Except for the SF Bike Coalition, which there is, is a great coalition. I'm a member. Great organization. I'm a member. SFBC member. Totally join. It's like 20... Aside from that, aside from that, bike coalition. Yeah, there isn't an actual like angry coalition. So there's should be protected bike lanes there should be bike lane or roads that are strictly just for bikes yeah. there should be you know when we say protected bike lanes i mean like yeah a like barricade. raised barricade yeah. yeah none of this just like green air no. green like thing smattering that, of the little plastic yeah. like no. and especially What's that, that people because people just think that that's their double parking lane which is right. yeah. what is happening yeah. so anyway just like if you're a rideshare drive rideshare rider like i am i i use my bike and then i rideshare if a driver is uh, acting aggressive or um, isn't noticing cyclists, give that rider, give that driver bad stars, like give them bad ratings because yeah. it's the only way that Lyft and Uber are going to like take notice mm-hmm. um, because like the, the, just the behavior of riders and drivers when it comes to cyclists is so upsetting. Yeah. yeah. So just like, be careful. Drivers should like also like appreciate the fact and help protect bikers because the more bikers on the road, the better for the environment. And the and, and the more safer. Cars. Yeah. Yes. And the and safer. Cars. Like there are studies that show that like the more cyclists are on the road, the safer we all are. So that's why mm-hmm. I love all these ride share, like the bike share things that are around. Like yeah. I love that. Like even though I hate scooters, <laughs> I hate those motorized scooters. Yeah. I love the fact that they are not cars. <laughs> so like, yeah. right. Just like the presence of things that aren't two ton motor vehicles. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. That can, I mean that, that can kill you. Every that day. can kill you if they tap you. Yes. Whereas yeah. if I ride through, Oh, a stop sign and bump you. I won't kill you. Yeah. And I'm not going to ride. I'm not going to do that. I'm good right. with pedestrians. And so should all cyclists be. Anyway. End of rant. <laughs> end of a long ass rant. That's a good one. Good rant. Good rant. So um, we have been preparing for our mom's episode. And we were just listening to all of those episodes. And Kate's mom mentioned a Catholic doctor. Um a Catholic doctor not doing something because of their faith. Yeah, I yeah, not using, not letting, not saying that tampons were okay to use. Yeah, because, but who? Oh, yeah. I, that could be my mom being. It could, a but bit it really made me think back to like when we did that 
um, research for our episode in season one. Check it out. Um, tampon taboos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really made me think that like, I don't totally believe that the Catholic Church has no stance on that. And just because we couldn't find anything in our research. I don't remember. What are you talking about? I feel like when when you were doing research, you weren't really able to find well, anything. There's nothing like in the Bible about. I don't. I don't mean the Bible. I just mean in general. But the way that like Catholics are, and that this came up a lot in our mom episodes because mm-hmm. all of our moms were raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my mom was Lutheran. Lutheran. Okay. Oh. Minnesota. It's like the Catholic of yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like people people don't talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. So like. I think just because we haven't been able to find any research may just mean that like people haven't been asked or when they're asked, they are like, I would rather not discuss tampons. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I think what we figured out in the episode was that there isn't like (laughs) there isn't like a platform of like what is forbidden, but it's the idea of like penetration and pleasure that like that's not Mm -hmm. okay for girls to like be penetrated. Yeah. I guess it just it just brought up the fact that like things are not talked about in the Catholic yeah. Church. Yes. So yeah. who's to say that like little kids weren't told by people don't use tampons for this reason yeah. or maybe not even given a reason just like the, we just don't do that. Right. Yeah. Like it just that came up a lot during our mom interviews that just nothing's talked about. Yeah. So yeah. stay tuned for those listeners. <laughs> yeah. Coming up yeah. And it would be I'm not going to be the one to do that but it would be interesting if Catholic, if you could actually like survey Catholic people and they actually would feel comfortable like being honest about that yeah and see what comes up because I think what would come up is like yeah I was told not to because of the church yeah. like yeah. yeah yeah the messages that get passed down oh like yeah. I'm not allowed to do this for whatever reason right, right. Yeah. and I mean the the crazy messed up thing is you don't you don't always have to give an explanation yeah it's just done yeah yeah read my labia Okay. Oh, back to real quick. I was just thinking, read my labias about the bike. Sometimes when I ride my bike, my labias actually like fall asleep because of my butt, yep. my butt gets sore. So like read my labias sure. also read, read my, my numb labias. I <laughs> went on a long bike ride today and definitely felt it. <laughs> um, okay, you guys, I'm kind of struggling for my read my labias. But the thing that's first it can be a menorah. It's, you know, read my labia menorahs. Um, I, I'm more just like I'm mad at nature. Right now, um, because uh, I this is gonna sound so first world and like that's why it's a menorah. Is it because okay. it was windy today? <laughs> My hair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so where I work, we have um, a roof deck. Uh, wow, cool. man. Okay. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. Right. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, right. Super menorah. Yeah. It's like the, the... At the public school I work at, we have a roof with dead leaves on it that you can see from certain classrooms. Look. <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. I know this is very um, lucky and privileged. Um, anywho, so I'm trying to get some work done on the roof deck. And, and the waiter won't show up with my shampoo. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, really, where are you going with this? I, I'm not saying this is good, you guys. So I, uh, the problem is it's so sunny up there. No, stop. Megan. Megan. Of all the people that have Megan. this kind of read my labias, I would not expect it to be you. Well, because, okay, here's the thing. No one ever uses this roof deck. Like, it, it's so underused. I can't even believe it. And since, like, 
you know, it's a classic tech company, so people don't leave the office that often. So I'm like, I'm going to be outside when I can. Um, and so I went out, very sunny. So I'm like, I'm going to open up one of these umbrellas for shade. Um, but it had just been really rainy. Oh, no. <laughs> and so so I start to open it, and everything's fine. And then as it's, like, almost nearly open, and I have my hand up trying to, like, do the thing to keep it – anyways – I see like what looks like little moths and I'm like, oh, sure. Yeah, I'm opening it after a rainy season. It's not moths. It's like a hundred little centipedes. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I'm already like under the umbrella. So I still have to like get out of there. Anywho. So like since that moment, I have felt like bugs crawling oh, on me. Oh. I just had a nightmare last night that I had tiny ticks like in my skin. And oh then I pulled God. up my ah. sleeve and I had leeches. Oh, no. Oh, so anywho. So. Maybe I'm getting what I deserve for working for, at my cushy job. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining centipedes. Um, good read. So my read l- my pubic hair on my vulva. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> read my privileged ass lady. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes she just wants to sit in the shade on the roof deck. <laughs> read my labias. Read my labias. Read my labias. Labias. Next week on the podcast, we're talking Vicious Cycle the Musical. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, We're going to have the three of us and Alyssa Sanchez and Gabby Moma. They are two actors that are going to be in the show with me. (laughs) No big deal. They're so funny and talented and amazing. They're so much fun. And they have some very interesting stories. Uh, including cadavers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stay so tuned. Not a cadaver period. Stay tuned but. for that. <laughs> uh, and in the meantime, keep calm and, and bleed, bleed everywhere. everywhere. Our theme song was performed by The Go Ahead. Check out more at thegoaheadmusic.com.